Welcome, everybody, to your favorite Wednesday night podcast, the Paranatural Cryptid Preservation Society. And tonight we are continuing with part two of God of War's Ragnarok. Is Kratos a cryptid hunter? And uh, we've got some really good stuff. We've gone down some rabbit holes, and there's some information that we have yet to be able to find on this particular Jotnar. Uh, Cert, who happens to be a primordial Jotnar, as in he was born from the fires of Messelfine. So he is the original. The original. The, the fire Jotnar, the giant king. And he has a flaming sword that he uses to bring about Ragnarok or to fight in Ragnarok. Now, here's how he ties in to Kratos and uh, Atreus, Kratos' son, in the new Guard of War Ragnarok game. And if you haven't played it, I highly suggest that you do and that you also not listen to this podcast if you are against spoilers. Because <laughs> I am bringing the spoilers, my friend. So if you don't want this game spoiled for you, you might as well hightail it. Come back and listen to it after you've played the game. See how you feel about it. Maybe you should cuss and discuss. So um, I have not played the game. Does that mean I need you to leave? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's up to you, honey. But I'm telling you, it, this game is fantastic. Fantastic. I don't mind the so spoilers, good. so I'll okay. stick around, I guess. Good. I'm so glad <laughs> to hear that because it just wouldn't be the same without you. <laughs> and who am I going to talk to? Myself? I mean, I could. I've got multiple personalities, but you know, that, that was a joke. I really don't. I'm just super hyper and have ADHD. Anyway, um, so how he comes to play in the game, um, Atreus and and uh, Kratos come to find him to convince him to fight with them against Odin, which is he, what he's originally supposed to do anyways in Ragnarok. But he, in the game, which they take liberties, as we all know, there are inconsistencies in the game's mythos to compare to the actual mythology of Surt or the religion depending on who you are and where you're from and what you decide to do with yourself. <laughs> so they go hunting for him and find him and he's, you know, doing some iron work and he's just like, I don't want to have nothing to do with it. And he's a frost giant. Well, Interesting. his love is a frost giant. He's a fire giant, but he has this huge hole in his chest of ice that you could see through and there's a heart beating in it. Now this story, this part of the story, I just loved this part of the story. It was mushy and romantic and so sad, but it was how he and his wife in the game um, could not be around each other because if they did, they would merge and bring around, bring on Ragnarok. So in order to keep themselves near each other and share the love that they still had for each other without being able to see each other or be around each other they gave each other their hearts ah, so her okay. heart was beating in his chest that was her heart hence the ice yeah and his heart is in her body and for me i was just <laughs> Oh, the mush. It's so romantic. Oh, it was so romantic, right? Yeah, exactly. It was so romantic. It's so heartbreaking at the same time, pun intended. But um, <laughs> then they finally convinced him to use what uh, what he did have 
of her to change himself into this huge fire giant that ends up uh, coming in and fighting in Ragnarok and fighting against Odin. But in the game, I'm not going to go any further, but in the game, he doesn't actually kill Odin, but I'm not going to go any further in that. That's just something you're going to have to find out playing the game, okay? But you know, it was super sweet. Also, might I add, obviously in the movie Thor Ragnarok, uh, Surtur or Surt is uh, seen at the very beginning. and Really? Yeah. I haven't uh, seen Thor Ragnarok yet, so what? I know. Don't kill what? me. I know. I'm a I'm a huge freaking Marvel fan, and I have yet to see. Okay, so I haven't okay, seen my, the new Spider Man. Okay, so I've read a bunch of stuff today, but that okay. is the only thing I have heard today that has blown my mind. <laughs> you, the Marvel Queen, has not seen Thor Ragnarok. I know. I know it's a it's a travesty. It's it's a freaking like it's Mind horrible. Blown. <laughs> oh man, no, I feel you because I ha- I haven't seen it yet, and I haven't seen the three um, Spider Mans with Tom Holland in it yet as Spider Man. I haven't seen those yet either. I know, I know. I need to get caught up like real bad, real bad. You can and kick me in the shins later. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, well I'll just put it this way then. Um, okay. So at the beginning of the movie, um, Thor, like, Surtur is depicted as this, you know, big giant with a flaming, you know, sword and all of this stuff. And um, gosh, what was it? Thor basically, I think, got his butt handed to him. And he had to, he ended up training and all that. But yeah, he's, Surtur is in the movie. So you have to watch it now. Yeah, now I absolutely have to watch it. There's so many that I have to watch. It's crazy. It's so well, they just keep cranking them out. I know. And that's see, that's one of the reasons why I haven't seen them yet. It's because I feel like they're and I know this is bad. And I'm so sorry for all my other Marvel loving super geeks out there. Even um, Dylan's seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Dylan. I'm going to come over there and kick you in the shins. I'm short enough. I can reach him. Anyway. <laughs> Um, I just feel like the, the, at the rate that Disney is popping these movies out and these series out, um, they're not living up to my Marvel standards. If that they aren't, sense. they're, they're not, they're cashing in and we you know yeah, it, they're it's mo- how that works. Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. They're, they've just turned them into another cash cow and oh, yeah. that I feel like it just takes away from the integrity of the actual stories and the comic book universe that was so lovingly created by Stan Lee and his other writer uh, co-writers and co-artists um, that came together to make this amazing Marvel Studios. So it's like the yes, the the quality has dropped dramatically since disney took over marvel studios and i'm i'm really upset about that because they're so intricate the storylines are so vast and they're just taking like this surface level and just pumping it out so that they can continue to cash in on you know marvel and these wonderful comic books so it's like a part of my my childhood is being like 
stabbed to death slowly, a death of a thousand cuts by, <laughs> you know, yeah. by Disney. Um, but yeah, and then, of course, with the horrible, horrible tragedy of losing Stanley back in like, uh, what was it, 2018, the end of 2018, I yeah. was heartbroken with that too because Stanley is he's my hero you know so it's like I just knew after the heartbeat you know stopped that it was going to be a struggle to keep the integrity of Marvel and Marvel comics going like it it was when he was here so that's one of the reasons why I haven't seen him yet (laughs) believe it or not I actually was one room away from Stanley at one point uh at Dragon (gasps) Con I, I didn't actually go in to see him, but I, I wish I had now. But yeah, he was like in the other room. I didn't get to meet a couple other people, but um, like for instance, you you know the guy um, from totally off topic. We're getting into movies here. That that hello puppet guy from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, I hung out with him and had a cool conversation. He's a cool guy. That's awesome. That is awesome. (laughs) I only got to meet Stanley one time back in Hawaii at some obscure convention. I think I was like maybe nine, eight or nine years old. And I was just getting into comic books and fangirled all the way home (laughs) in our Volvo, you know, but um, I could barely remember it, which really irks me is that I could barely remember it, you know, and I'm just so sad about that, but yeah. So Dylan uh, left a comment saying, uh, after Thor Ragnarok, the Marvel movies all became comedy over story from what he's seen, which is true, unfortunately. It's it's, it's a sad. It's so sad. I'm really hey, sad about that. What's what's that saying? You like you're a hero, like you live long enough to be the villain, kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things. I can't remember exactly what the saying was, but yeah, that's so sad. Yeah, that makes me upsetty spaghetti. I am upsetty spaghetti. I am espresso depresso, one hundred percent. But Surtur. Yes, back to the topic at hand. Surtur, <laughs> the Jotnar, the primordial Jotnar, who is born of fire of Messelheim, who is so, the the realm underneath. So we strove to find his parents because he is supposed to be the half-brother of Ymir and what was the other one? Oh, uh, I can't pronounce his name. I cannot pronounce the name. It's like have... have Havrid, Havrid, Drill. I can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. That I, guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect. But here's my theory on that, okay? The theory of us not being able to find his parentage, his lineage, is because he's primordial. He was born of the cosmos. He was born of elements in the elemental flame. And Ymir, his half-brother, was born of a yeast drop. So I think that the only reason why that they are considered half siblings is because their element is different, but they were all born in the same way from the cosmos. Maybe, oh, oh, maybe it's because they were all born from Mother Earth. Gaia. Gaia. Which is a different pantheon, by the way. But hear right. me out. 
the thing with these pantheons, which Kellick and I have found, is that there are so many similarities with the, between these pantheons. It's hard not to believe that they influenced each other. Right. And the fact of the matter is they were on different parts of the world. Exactly. And that makes it interesting because they were either influencing each other, indicating a world's, worldwide civilization, mm-hmm. or they all stemmed from the same belief system, yeah. uh, which would mean that they all came from an older civilization that shared the same story. Right. And uh, so, by the way, the uh, the saying that you were looking for, both Dylan and Hobby Bear, <laughs> ah. um, both said the same thing. They both know it. <laughs> it's either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yes. And That's that it. is what I feel like Marvel is starting to do. Yeah. And I mean, they're not a villain, but. No, you know, but they're... they're eating themselves alive. Yes. Uh that is definitely a reference to the uh, the world serpent, just say. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so when we're talking about the these two pantheons, it's the Norris pantheons with, you know, Odin and Surtur and um, Ymir and uh, the concubine, I say concubine, or the mistress of um, Surt. Here uh, I keep I keep trying to go Surtur, but I <laughs> when I say Surtur, I feel like I'm just nobody can understand me, so I'm saying Surt. Um, and his concubine, which was Sinmara, who is often confused to be his wife. Um, she was not a frost giant. She was though a giantess, and she was married um, to someone just, else. Just not to Surtur. No, not to Surtur. She was married to the Talking Head. See, I thought she ended up becoming the talking head. No, Mimir, who she is married to, um, he is also in the Uh, game. He is the talking head that uh, Kratos leaves on his belt. And um, he is considered to be the smartest man alive or the smartest undead man alive. Anyway, um, (laughs) he was the... Uh, the advisor to Odin, correct? Yes, he was okay. the advisor to Odin and married to Sinmara. And Sinmara was cheating on him. She was hoeing around with Sert. <laughs> okay. So, um, and I, I'm, I'm sorry I say that with all the love <laughs> in my heart. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm using modern you know, vernacular <laughs> to explain past, y'all get what I'm saying. Anyway, so Mamir, love Mamir, especially in the game. Um, he is renowned for his knowledge and wisdom, and he is beheaded during the Aesir Vanir War. Um, and afterward, the god Odin carries around Mamir's head, and it recites secret knowledge and counsel to him. Now, so, okay. I don't want to jump ahead. I, I'm like <laughs> eager to jump ahead and I can't. I, I, I'm restraining myself. <laughs> <laughs> There's so, so much entailed things. in this. There's so much entailed. Like Simmara, by the way, with her being the, um, you know, consort to the Jotner cert. She in herself, in her own right, was a, a pretty, you know, nightmarish woman and <laughs> also play on words <laughs> um her name actually uh when you break it down 
is uh, Mara or nightmare and Sin is Sinu or nerves. So her name literally means nervous or nerve afflicting nightmare. Or just seems like such a wonderful right? being. <laughs> right? She's just a warm, cuddly, warm, cuddly <laughs> to someone you go home to and she's got a big stew brewing for you. You know, I love it. So good to see you home. How was your day? That was not Sinmara. Sinmara is also considered to be a night fury. So hmm. she's a she's part of the great nightmare. So now, would she be considered a um, a primordial being as well? No, she was not a primordial being, but she was a a giantess. So she okay. was part of the giant race, but she was not a primordial being now, like the other Jotnar there. Now we're saying Jotnar specifically, and not Jotun, because. The Jotuns were the frost giants, and the Jotnar were the fire giants. Right. And they supposedly lived to the south. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Jotun lived further to the north, I believe. Right. Yeah. So it's, true. it's interesting, like the logistics of it. Now, we're talking like the Jotnar are from Mespelheim, which is. Mm-hmm a different plane of existence based on the nine realms. Right. Uh, But is it possible that Mespelheim could be located somewhere on this plane of existence? Um, Right. Like you were saying earlier. So, yeah, because sure. They say Mespelheim, right? Mm -hmm. It's to the South. Okay. Well, if you look at Google Maps and just go straight due south, you hit Africa, northern Africa. Mm-hmm. And that whole area is nothing but desert and scorched earth. So could that be considered the land of fire giants? I mean, it could be. With all of with all of the theories that we have come across, and then you know, of course, the entrances to inner Earth and the different uh, right. places that some of those interest entrances are located. I yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. There, the other possibility is obviously that uh, you know these. Okay, so we were discussing before the podcast about the nine realms and Mm -hmm. um, how they kind of correlate with the whole seven levels of heaven, earth, and then hell, which which nine realms, nine realms, right? (laughs) (laughs) So is it possible? Like uh, there's just so many ties to this. And you even brought one up uh, that I hadn't even considered which was, I believe, Japan? Yeah, the the Japanese, um, which I'm still learning about because my fascination went more with the, the 12th day Danon and the Fae and the Sealy and all that. So, And then it just kind of spread out from there to Greek and Roman mythology and Egyptology and all of that. Right. And never That's where went, my brain went, too. Right. So, so then I was just like, in correlation, because we found 
like we said, that there are so many different um, similarities between Greek mythology and Norse mythology and uh, Zeus and Thor and um, the Titans and the primordial Jotnar um, that we were like, there's got to, is there other religions or other pantheons out there that also have primordial beings that just kind of rose up from you know, whatever element that they were a part of in a humanoid form and was personified. And I, out of curiosity, I went and looked at Japanese mythology and sure enough, they have three gods that are primordial gods. Hmm. And then they have them. It's kind of like tiers. It's like, it's like a tier system. And I'm still, like I said, I'm new to it. I, I am, I'm, not meaning any disrespect, so I'm still learning. But the way that I'm understanding it right now is they have a tier system. So you have the three primordial gods that could, that did the um, creation of heaven and earth. And then underneath that, you have 12 major gods and goddesses. So I'm assuming there is 12 minor or nine minor. Um, a lot of these seem to be, that's another correlation I found, a lot of them are odd numbered. Interesting. Yeah, there's not a lot of even numbers when it comes to the gods and goddesses and the demi-gods and goddesses. So, Now, I do know that in some Asian cultures, um, there are specific numbers that are uh, considered unlucky or bad Mm -hmm. or, and I used to to work at a location where, or at a place where um, people would get, they would request phone numbers and, uh, there were, I, I had several people come in who were like, I don't want any of these numbers in my phone number. And that was because it stemmed back to those beliefs that, you know, certain numbers were not, were considered unlucky or bad to have in your life. So. Yeah. Like it's numerology. Yeah. Or, and in some cases, some people also believe in angel numbers. Sure. So. I mean, like three, 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 one, 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 you know, there's, uh, everybody's got a number that repeats and those are the angel numbers are considered prophetic angel numbers that are telling you, you know, either your angel guides are there and they're listening to you. And this is the advice that they are giving you. That's why this number keeps popping up. So those are the angelic, um, prophetic numbers. And then you've got numerology and I'm sorry, me and math. We don't get along. So then you take math and you put it with spirituality and I am offended. So I, I'm sorry to all of those out there who love numerology, who practice in numerology and understand it. I am also grateful that you do understand it because that means I don't have to because I cannot do the maths. Me and maths fight. We duke it out. There is a mutual hatred and I am deeply offended that they have wormed their way into spirituality. No, thank you. I do not acknowledge you, <laughs> Madam or Sir. Negative. So now, another one, another correlation in terms of primordial gods was uh, in the ancient Sumerians. Mm, you had mm-hmm. um, Anu and Tiamat, and I mean, like Namu, the goddess of the primordial sea, and like they gave birth to An and Kai. And like, so the, there's these correlations of these primordial gods and goddesses just sprouting up essentially, um, 
you. out of the earth, out of, you know, creation, out of, you know, yep. kind of out of nothing. <laughs> earth, fire, any kind of element. And like you were bringing up, celestial bodies. Right. And that brings us to the theories of Ragnarok that we were cussing and discussing earlier. Um, getting back to Cert, who is the elemental, the the primordial fire god, who they, is he a god? Is he just a Jotnar? We don't know, but everybody considers him. One thing that they all agree on, he is primordial. And in some instances, considered to be the king of the fire giants. And he wields a flaming sword. And he and his sons are supposed to um, fight in Ragnarok. And he is actually the one that kills Odin. They actually kill, uh, in one instance, they're, they're supposed to kill each other. And another, he kills Odin and his, um, he stabs his flaming sword into the Tree of Life, Ragnar's Hill. And um, essentially burns it down and takes out the nine realms and everyone who resides in the nine realms, including Whoops. himself and his right himself and his his race of giants that he presides over didn't my bad to, so sorry didn't mean to do that you know i i was enthusiastic i'm sorry i just now, got a, a little over my head there is a theory that was presented back in 2012 um by grassland and price who were who are archaeologists and they claim that ragnarok might actually be a folk memory of an environmental disaster. So something want, that already took place. Right. Right. Rather than a prediction of what's to come. So if you want, I can read that section of this article. Yes, please do. This is from thoughtco.com. So Ragnarok as a folk memory of environmental disaster. Uh but with the core his, or core story competently dated to the later Iron Age between 550 and 1000 CE, archaeologists Grassland and Price have suggested that Filmbull Winter was a real event. In the 6th century CE, a volcanic eruption left a thick, persistent dry fog in the air throughout Asia Minor and Europe that suppressed the sh and shortened the summer seasons for several years. The episode, known as the Dust Veil of 536, is documented in the literature and in physical evidence such as tree rings throughout Scandinavia and in many other places in the world. Evidence suggests that Scandinavia may have borne the brunt of the Dust Veil effects. In some regions, 75 to 90% of its villages were abandoned. Grassland and Price suggest that Ragnarok's Great Winter is a folk memory of that event and the final scenes when the sun, earth, gods, and humans are resurrected in a paradisical new world may be a reference to what must have seemed the miraculous end of the catastrophe. So more so of a memory of lost time versus, you know, time past versus a prediction of what's to come. Hmm. That's interesting. So, yeah. So, and we were talking about how things are cyclical in general, mm -hmm. like in terms of 
astrological events, the planetary alignments and movements and, you know, things that transpire around the world, like the Great Deluge and like all throughout history, they've talked about how, I mean, even the, um, the Hindus in the Mahabharata talk about how there, there were three other destructions of the earth before uh, the current one that we're in now. Yeah. So like the what was it that we were discussing? I think it was last week um, and not on the podcast. I mean, but uh, the mud floods. Right. Yeah. So, oh, my God, I am so sorry. Uh, that was my dog, Migosh, saying hi. <laughs> hi, Migosh. Uh, <laughs> the ear flaps. I apologize. He won't let me go to work. He will not let me go anywhere. He is literally up my butt 24-7. So he is in the room while I am doing the podcast with you. And he likes to just interrupt every now and then. Thanks so much for that, bud. Appreciate but see, it. But my theory was that in terms of like the astrological stuff, perhaps, and this is just a you know, a shot in the dark here, that the great serpent might actually be something more along the lines of a comet. And because it talks about how, um, you know, the Surtur and um, the Jotunar will travel through across the Bifrost and essentially destroy the Bifrost. Right. Well, if you look at it from an astrological view, uh, you've got the Milky Way which could mm-hmm. be construed as a rainbow bridge. Right. And then, of course, you've also got the Northern Lights, which is also kind of like a rainbow bridge. But True. in terms of, like, ancient history, comets were described as sky serpents. So what if the whole, you know, Thor fighting the world serpent and all of that is actually more something that goes on in the heavens, in the sky rather than some battle epic battle here on earth i can see it i can see it and speaking of comments don't uh don't we have a comment that's going to be super bright passing us tomorrow we do and in fact uh the the last comment that had this brightness or this level of brightness was the comet Hale-Bopp in the 90s if anybody remembers that mm. mm-hmm. but this co- this comet here is called C slash 2022E3ZTF. If you ever want to Google it and look it up, that's what it's called. And it is supposed to reach its brightest point tomorrow. The That's tomorrow, the 12th of January, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. So You're welcome. I'm just going to make sure that everybody knows that it's not like tomorrow, tomorrow. It's tomorrow for us, like tomorrow, Thursday. So... Good call. <laughs> but yeah, to, <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow is yes. it's supposed to be the brightest. And that's, I can't remember what the scientific term is called, but it's essentially where it is passing close to the sun to where the sun's rays are burning off ice crystals and those ice crystals light up and create the light show that we see in the sky, mm-hmm. the comet's tail and all of that. So that is supposed to be its brightest tomorrow. And it is supposed to be its closest point to Earth, which which is, I believe, 40 million miles, which seems like a lot. But from a space, it's not (laughs) right. So (laughs) it it, 
I actually looked it up today. It's the it's halfway between the distance of Earth and the Sun. So it's passing between us and the Sun. It, it kind of. I don't kind know of. if it's actually passing between us, but it's that it'll be that distance from Earth uh, in the first week of February. Right on. So yeah. And little... and speaking of things melting. We're going to talk about how, um, and that's funny because I'm not actually melting, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about how Cirque has half-brothers, which we touched on just a few minutes ago. Um, he does have half-brothers, and they're also primordial half-brothers. And we had the whole, you know, well, maybe they're half-brothers because they all stemmed from Gaia, Earth, um, or Rhea in Greek mythology. Um, Mm -hmm. there's Ymir, who also happens to be the father of Odin. And the dwarves. And, yeah. Well, the dwarves apparently spawned out of him like maggots, as it's described. Yeah. So. uh, That's. (laughs) (laughs) Little creepy visual for you. That just made my, my, ooh, my skin crawling. (laughs) No, thank you. Ew, God. Okay, moving on from that <laughs> real fast. So, uh, Ym- <laughs> also, another half brother is Adumbla. Okay, I, I'll- I, I think that's how you pronounce it. Adumbla. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. But I, I thought you were going to tell me something else about it that was equally as horrifying, but I'm so glad that you didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Ymir uh, was. As I said, he was from created from a yeast drop. Okay, it's where it melted from the frozen yeast venom, and life was quickened from the yeast drop. And this became Ymir, the first living being, and his descendants are Odin, Vili, and Ve. Mm-hmm. So, and then of course, you know, killed him and the fashioned the heaven and earth from his body. So Ymir is no more physically. Hmm. He is. The cosmos, which goes into what you were talking about. Maybe this is more of a cosmic battle than it right. is, you know, a physical one here on Earth. Well, and, and when we look at mythology, you have to remember that a lot of it was telling stories that was relaying historical accounts in a way that people would remember. Like yeah. if you talk about, you know, gods fighting in the sky, riding chariots and this and that. Sure, that that sounds awesome and epic. I'm not saying so that... it was aliens, but I'm, it was aliens. <laughs> Sorry. So it's it's like the it's this epic tale that it's exciting, and so it gets passed down from generation to generation. So the story goes. Mm-hmm. Well, that same kind of thing, like for instance, I touched on the Sumerians. Well, apparently, that same thing happened where. The Sumerian creation myth is actually the creation of our own solar system and that there was a planet between Earth and Mars called Tiamat, which Tiamat was supposed to be an Earth-like planet that was just simply bigger. And that is actually what the asteroid belt between us and Mars is today. Hmm. So... There, there's these correlations between mythology and what happens in the sky uh, as a way to tell a story and tell to relay history so that it doesn't get lost to time. 
And they're so pretty. I mean, it's devastating, oh my gosh, right? They're, yeah. they're devastating, horrible stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, Ymir and his death and how he becomes heaven and earth from his body, you know, whatever. So that's horrifying. But the way that they word it is so po- poetic. It's so pretty. We don't tell stories like that anymore. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, no. I mean, if you read some of those Adas, they're, they're just incredible. Like, mm-hmm. um, here, let me pull up some of the, just the, some of the lines of the, the Adas. Like, um, so let's see here. In stanza 42 uh, of the poetic Ada. Uh, This was written, I think, in the, yeah, 13th century uh, by Snorri Surlison. Snorri Surlison. Um, Surt comes from the south with the banes of branches. Okay, the banes of branches. Like, okay, well, what does that mean? That's fire. Like, it's the antithesis of, like, the trees. Like the trees burn. It's the bane of the branches. Like it's that poetic it's so, wording is just, it's, it's awesome. So it is. The, it's so pretty. With the banes of branches shining from his sword, the Val God's son. Like it, it's, then comes Hlyn, uh, second Hlyn's second grief when Odin goes to fight with the wolf and the bright slayer of belly and cert with, then will Frigg's sweet scent fall. Like that's the way they. It's so pretty about talking about devastation. Right. It's so. the it's way devastation they put it, in the most beautiful manner. Right. It's so eloquent and so pretty <laughs> and so beautiful. The way they put we're we're going to kill you. We're all going to die. We're all going to die in a fiery <laughs> pits of hell. Uh, and all the nine realms are going to go with it in fiery flames from the sword. And um, but yeah, but it's really pretty. So another <laughs> another correlation that I found between um, the biblical revelation and Ragnarok is like in terms of like astrological stuff is okay. So in Revelation, it talks about how the how warm wood would fall to the earth and essentially a falling star that destroys a third of the water. Well, a third of the fresh water, a third of the salt water, a third of all living things, birds, animals. Yeah. Poisoned. Right. Yeah. But then it also talks about how during the battle where Thor is fighting uh, the world serpent, the serpent is throwing venom all over the planet and or all over um, the earth and killing, poisoning all the, all the birds and the animals and the plant life and the water. And yeah. it's, it's the same story. Mm-hmm. That's why so, you can't tell me no different. And we were, we were discussing this as we said, right before we got on this podcast, yeah. the similarities um, I can see, how trading stories would happen between the Greeks, the Romans, and the Norse. If we go on the assumption that there was a world society and a world culture, and we all kind of merged together and talked and, you know, shared our, our things. Sorry. So sorry, Mike. Anyway, I'm talking with my hands now. <laughs> um, but then you, then you take the, the 
era of Christianity, or let me put it this way, the era of the era of uh, Roman Catholicism, right? Mm -hmm. And when you take that and you compare the end times revelations um, and the apocalypse that is to happen, and you compare that to things like the Greek mythology or Ragnarok and Norse mythology, and you put them together, tell me you don't see like they just ate it. They were just like, you know what? Right. Instead of killing you all off, we're just going to like merge. We're going to adopt and 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 put in all of your beliefs in here with us and our stuff and tell you, oh yeah, but this is this is how it happened. It's just you've got it wrong a little bit. It's not these gods, it's this god monotheism. And so you can't tell me any different. You cannot tell me any different. I don't care what you say, <laughs> they ate it. They ate it and they absorbed it and they turned it into what they wanted to turn it into because, I mean, too many things are being See, edited and cast out and put into a, the societal bubble. See, I, to a point, I, I do think that's correct. But there are some things um, in like the Old Testament that are, you know, like old, old, like in Isaiah where it talks about how the mountains will melt like wax and uh, before the fire and like rushing water down a slope. And in Norse mythology, you've got uh, Yggdrasil, the great tree that holds the cosmos together, will tremble and all the trees and even the mountains will fall to the ground. Right. So it's stuff like that. And that was uh, that was in Isaiah. So like I know that they edit and take, a, you know, pull things and stuff like that. But some of these are really old stories and i there there's just there is a connection there and whether our the archaeologists believe it or not there had to have been some kind of global society or global connection where everybody was explaining something because i mean you go back to like the ancient builder race that essentially jump-started all of technology after mm-hmm. well i say technology jump-started all of uh civilization back af- like after the great deluge and they just literally sailed around the world going teaching people going this is how you do this this is mm-hmm. how you do this and then they vanished yep Oof. like so perhaps they are the ones responsible for relaying these stories I think so. I think that it's everybody shared their, you know, everybody was looking for knowledge back then. Everybody right. was the curiosity, you know, and the cultures, you know, everything was so different. And so, I mean, like cut and dry different. The, it was blaringly obvious how different things were, but it wasn't a hatred. It was more of a like, oh, you do this while well, I do this. Well, that's pretty cool. Can you help me? Can you show me how to do it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. You know, because everybody wanted to share because everyone wanted to thrive. Everyone wanted to live. And I just feel like that that era of, of curiosity and and knowledge seeking and sharing is just it's gone. I feel like it's gone. I feel like it's dead floating in the water somewhere. Just bah. It's yeah. a, it was a memory. And- and that's the thing, like all of these, I think all of these stories were told not so much to be religious, but to maintain history. Yeah, absolutely. In the form of tales. Because <laughs> like I said, what better way 
to keep a story or keep information and knowledge active than to pass on stories of deities and gods and the fantastical because it's exciting. Yeah. And if you were to tell somebody, oh, listen, back in the day, there were these planets and they collided and they blew up. And like there was a time before the moon when the earth went into total chaos and Mm -hmm. like, okay, all right. Sure, crazy nut job. Right. And then they walk away and they don't ever mention it again. And then that knowledge gets lost. But yeah. then if you tell them, well, listen, oh. this God fought against this God and there was right. this epic battle and there was venom spitting everywhere and enthralled. Like, tell right? me. And uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Thor just was covered in poison and he eventually died because he was covered in or he's going to die because he's covered in poison and all of this stuff and yeah like all of the earth got basically destroyed from this you know world serpents venom and you know these battle in the heavens and the rainbow bridge the rainbow bridge not the bifrost like like, (laughs) it's more captivating it's more it it captures your attention and then you want to tell somebody else that story Oh, yeah, absolutely. There are so many great stories out there. And I say stories, but some of these are this is like an actual, you know, it's a pantheon. It's it's religion, you know, so um, the uh, the comment. Ah, okay. It says, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's a Roman Catholicism. (laughs) <laughs> they were they said it was a tongue tongue twister so I'm, it's roman catholicism it's a roman catholic and roman catholic is different from catholics so right. it's there is they've branched off so there's, there's many an different orthodoxy to it yeah there's an orthodox there's um uh, there's many different types of Catholicism. So when I say Roman Catholicism, it's referring to things like the Crusade, right? Right. And and the wars that took place with the with the Crusade, which was terrifying, and um, it also sprung things like from Spain, um, which is also a branch of Roman Catholicism. They were devout Catholics. And from the Crusades, there was the um, the Inquisition. So, which a lot of us know about because of witches, you know, and the hunt for mm-hmm. witches, which was mainly focused on women and women healers, um, or just women that were young and beautiful and wouldn't give it up to other people, to, to lecherous old men. So they were like, oh, well, she must be a witch. And burned at the stake or tortured to death or you know, what have you, other horrific things that took place. So we all remember the bad things that took place because there's not a whole lot of good in that era that surrounds Roman Catholicism and uh, the the Spain Catholics and um, that whole time period. It's just bad, okay? The whole thing is bad. If you haven't read about it, if you don't know about it, it, it's right up there with... um, a mustache man whose name shall not be on here who did some really horrific things to other people who was also different in religion. So we're not going to read it. It's there. It's horrible. It's terrifying, but it's part of history. And so that we don't repeat history, we must know history. And that's why I love talking about stuff like this. And speaking of fiery, horrible things happening, Ragnarok. 
because we're getting way off topic here. <laughs> oh, and going back to the astrological stuff real quick, did you know that there is a uh, a moon of Saturn called Muspel? Yeah. From Muspelheim. And there is a volcano on that moon called Surtur. Isn't that amazing? Because Saturn is named after who? The Roman god. Exactly. So why? So we got the Roman god, but then we've got the Norse. Right. The Norse pantheon moon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I just think it's fascinating. Maybe just call me like a dreamer or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little jaded. Um, I just feel like. We're losing this wonderfulness of communicating with each other and and talking about these these wonderful things that tie us all together as as a human race, you know, right. as humanity. There's so many things that we used to communicate love and pain and death and um, the fear of everything ending around us, you know, and just blipping out of existence. And it's all so beautiful. And I just feel like we're all losing touch with that, you know, like the glue oh, is yeah. just going away. But that's not here nor they are right now. Um, so we have the two great evils, okay, in Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize there was a two great evils until, and, until I started you know, researching with you about Messelheim and Surtur. And Surtur is one of the two great evils. The second is Loki. Right. Which I, I mean, I'm partial to Loki. Again, correlations between Christianity. Well, I don't even want to say Christianity because it wasn't. Because to be frank, Christianity said, yeah, we're not going to subscribe to that when right. it came to this. So even like Christianity didn't want anything to do with this. But yeah, uh, in uh, the Book of Enoch, you've got the, the fallen angels or the watchers that were chained up and imprisoned until the end of days when they would be released. And then you've got uh, the Norse pantheon where Loki, again, chained up, subterranean, and then he's supposed to be released during Ragnarok. Then you've Prometheus, got... anyone? Right. You've got Prometheus <laughs> from Greek mythology. Again, mm-hmm. chained up, you know, on a rock. In the underworld. In the underworld, in Tartarus. Yep. Like, there's a common theme here. <laughs> there is a common theme here. That's why I said you cannot convince me otherwise. The... With Loki, he was chained up, okay, and he what he had a venomous snake that was hung over his head. And the venom would drip down onto his body. And his one of his wives, um Sig It's Sig something. I'm sorry. I I apologize. Um tried to help him and would come and help him. Every day. And this is something that he was, you know, punished for because of the death of Baldur. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was put in the underworld and he was supposed to be there until the cosmos is destroyed during Ragnarok. And if you compare that with Prometheus, Prometheus had his. Sigin. You know, his Thank Sorry, you. I just, I just looked it up. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Prometheus was doomed to have his liver 
eaten out of his body every day by a eagle or a variation of of an eagle um every day and it would come and it would painfully eat it out of his body and then it would regrow and then he'd have to do it again the next day and he was supposed to be there for eons until sometimes, the end of the world sometimes it doesn't pay to be immortal <laughs> it really doesn't <laughs> <laughs> it's not for me not for, no thank you nope no I, i'm um, okay with my finite existence thanks right <laughs> yeah so that's i mean that's how you get it that's how you get the two great evils is loki who is released and you know then ragnarok happens and then you have the one who ends ragnarok basically who destroys everything just says you know fluff this i'm getting rid of all <laughs> of it i can't deal with it anymore and he comes in with his flaming sword cert and just ends it all that's one telling of it. Now there's everything. Sir walks in and just like does a mic drop. Like, yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> Cosmos end. He's like, we're not going to fight over this anymore. We're done. Like and he just. Goodbye. He just like lays just like, <laughs> I, I almost want to say lays the hammer down, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's Thor. Not, yeah, not it's sword. <laughs> Flaming sword. Done. You know? <laughs> so it's, the similarities are right. vast. They are there for each one. But Surtur turns into, and excuse my language, he turns into a badass. I'm not even going to lie. That's, that is a badass move. Okay. Oh, yeah. He comes in, ends it all. But he, in another version, and this is where I kind of get mixed up. And if anyone can, you know, give us more insight into this. Um, in another version, it's uh, the giant wolf Fenrir. Fenrir? Yes, Fenrir, who like swallows Odin whole. Along with the moon or the sun? Uh, It's the moon. Or no, yeah, Fenrir does the moon. There's two wolves. There's, what is it? Uh, uh, Shoot. It's like a one syllable name. Uh, Like, not Sturm. Uh, No, it's. I'll be out here. I'm trying. I'm trying. I had it pulled up and now I can't find it all. I've got his Fenrir here. Um, but one, he's one eats the moon and the other eats the sun. Right. And he's the one that eats the moon. Okay. To bring on the day. And um, he's monstrous and he is one of the sons or a son of Loki and the giantess Angerboda. Okay. So he comes in and apparently he is the one that swallows Olden Hope. Like he will devour the sun. And right. in Ragnarok, he will fight against the chief god Odin and swallow him. And Odin's son Vidar uh, mm-hmm. will avenge his father by stabbing the wolf in the heart. And according to one account, tearing his jaws asunder. Right. So... Bye bye head because he pulls it in half. Um, that's in one version. In the other version, you've got okay, he like steps on it. He steps on his jaw and like just basically rips his mouth apart and then exactly. stabs him in the throat with a spear. I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. Ba- See, epic battles. Epic, epic battles pass through history. They absolutely <laughs> do, and they make you remember stuff. So it's like I think he swallows the sun, not the moon, and then he brings in 
you know, fights in Ragnarok. Now, Ragnarok, everybody thinks, you know, here's the cut and dry version of Ragnarok. The the serpent gets free, Ragnarok starts, Thor dies, Odin dies, and that's it. And then the world is reborn. You know, everybody's well, like, oh, that's how that happens. But it is so complicated. There oh, yeah, are you've so got the, many steps. You've got the roosters that crow. Like, mm-hmm. there's a rooster with a golden comb. Uh, you've got, like... There's three roosters that are supposed to, three different roosters that are all supposed to crow, uh, sounding the alarm that Ragnarok is beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and then you've then... got Garm, who is Garm. The, yeah, he is the wolf. That's the, giant, the other one. Yeah, he is the giant wolf who is also in the game, by the way. Oh, nice. Um, he is the protector of the gates of hell for Hela. Okay. okay. And um, he gets released. And she's got her own realm. Right. And Garm, he, this dude, look here. I understand why they kept him locked up down there in hell while he was there. (laughs) And because this dude will eat and open rifts between dimensions and between the nine realms and can literally eat the realm. Yeah. At least that's how it's portrayed. Portrayed, sorry, in um, in God of War Ragnarok. Um, could, could Garm and uh, Fenrir be black holes? Like, uh, well, I mean, probably. But I mean, here's how... the thing: with they have discovered in one black hole that what goes in, you know how they would say it would go in and would never come out. It's actually yeah. spitting things back out now. Oh, really? Yeah. So well, I, I know when two black holes meet, they have was it quasars and you know the streaming jets that come off of them that destroy yeah. like entire star it, systems. Yeah, it's just one. It's just one. It's a wormhole. I think it's one wormhole. It's like they say it comes in, you know, stuff gets pulled in and then it doesn't come back out. Well, this wormhole is just like you know what? I don't like the flavor. It was unseasoned, <laughs> so I have spit it back up, and that's what it's been doing. So. Weird. Yeah, but Garm is, uh, or translated rag, is a wolf or dog associated with both Hell or Hela and uh, Ragnarok and is described as a bloodstained guardian of Hell's gate. So he's a beastie. He's a big old beastie. And he is not, I mean, you can't blame a dog for being a dog and you can't blame Garm for doing what he's supposed to do, which is basically just tear the nine realms asunder and do his own thing. But, um, yeah, cause, um, shoot, Fenrir, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. My, my brain is mushed today. I'm I apologize. (laughs) Fenrir, when he is released, he's not only supposed to eat this i think it's the sun or the moon whichever one the sun, uh, he's not yeah. he's not only supposed to eat the sun uh along with odin but he's also supposed to run along the full length of the earth with his mouth against the ground and just scooping it all up in his mouth Mm-hmm. yep so he's this this dude's got an appetite he does and you know uh you know who else we can um talking about you know, correlations here. Who else? Yeah. We have Garm. So who else is a nice protector of uh, the underworld and hell? Cerberus? Yeah, he is compared to Cerberus. So 
but he's only the goodest boy <laughs> to one person <laughs> and one person only. So, I mean, there's so many, like I said, there are so many steps and so many different things that contribute to Ragnarok or the end of the Nine Realms and Yggdrasil. Um, so it's not just one battle. It's not just one you know, oh. person, it's it's a combination of almost all the realms coming together and basically giving Odin the finger, you know, so <laughs> basically, <laughs> yeah. And, and here's the thing. there There's the quote unquote alternative story, uh, which they do think was potentially influenced by Christian culture, uh, which was the happy ending at the end of Ragnarok where basically everything is destroyed. It all goes back to the void and all we're left with is water. That is the end of Ragnarok from like the original tale. And the, what came later was the warm and fuzzy rebirth story where once after everything has been destroyed and returned to the void, where it's all just blackness and water, uh, You've got the rebirth where the land rises again from the water and the two people who were saved, uh, which their names basically translate to life and the giver of life and man and woman. woman. Mm -hmm. uh, They are said to be placed in, as you so eloquently put it, a pod (laughs) in in the world tree. (laughs) It's a pod. It's a little seed pod in the world tree. It's like a seed pod in the world tree. And uh, after everything is destroyed and returns to nothingness and Mm -hmm. the earth Mm -hmm. is rebuilt and renewed, these two humans are said to return and repopulate the planet as this beautiful, uh, pure race of people again. I mean, could you imagine that? And the cycle begins again. Yeah, and the cycle begins at the circle of life. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but could you imagine if you didn't have that happy ending? You know, you got to tack on a happy ending. You can't just be like, blip, the universe is gone, and none of you will, you know, you'll all cease to exist. Could you imagine the morbs? Right. But the see, people, oh. the the amount of the morbs that people would have, like, why should I be good? Why should I not do the things that I that I want to want to do if I'm just not if I'm going to be blipped out of existence anyways? So they had now, to give them a hope story. You got to keep in line. Right. Because this is what happens if you don't. But at the same time, I can appreciate the other aspect where nothing comes back. And the the reason I say that is because it's kind of like when you know how in Tibet they do those big mandalas out of sand? Oh, yeah. Those are gorgeous. Right. Well, do you know why they do them out of sand? Because no. Because they're finite. Because sand is finite. Like, when you make it, you make the mandala. After they make it, they spend days and weeks working on it. After they yeah. make it, what they do is they stand back, they look at it, they appreciate it, and then they wipe it away. And the reason why they do that is because they, what's good should only be finite. It shouldn't last because if it lasts, then what's the point? Like there's nothing yeah. leading up to it. So what, 
when they say that Ragnarok will end and then everything will return to the void and nothing is after that. So be the best you can be, because if there's nothing afterwards, then you've only got this life now and you've only got this time to be the best you can be. So be the best so that the bards tell your story and sing the songs of your epic tales so that you'll be remembered. Yeah, you'll have you'll be a, a a legend, a myth. Yeah, and you know? I find that also kind of endearing. You it know, is it doesn't very endearing. It doesn't have the happy ending, but at the same time, it doesn't need a happy ending to be a great story. Mm-hmm. Like what our story is, what we make it today. So again, it's it's kind of like that living in the moment. Be the yeah. best you can be, so that you know, you're remembered for the days in the future before everything comes to an end. Right. I say that all the time. You got the one life, just the one. How are you going to spend it? Yeah. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to view yourself? So you got this one life, the only life. You choose how to handle it. Why not make it a good one? Right. Like, do you, it's like when I get too angry one day, right? Is this how I'm going to spend my day? Is this, is this how, this is the only day I got this, this day right here and this month and this year, this is it. It's not going to happen again. And this is how I want to remember this day. Negative. Right. So while some people might see it as a tale of woe and, you know, there all this, you know, negativity, there's, there's a positive aspect to the story that I think gets lost because of cultural differences. You Mm. know, in this culture, Everything seems like in our modern day culture, everything seems to require a happy ending. Not everything has to have a happy ending to be a good story or to Mm -hmm. be a good life. Mm -hmm. That's true. So, yeah. And on that note, thank you, everybody. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for coming and listening to this nonsense, to this wonderful nonsense that we do every Wednesday and bring you these great stories and mythology and we appreciate all of you just joining in the discussion with us as we talk about kratos the cryptid hunter (laughs) (laughs) so don't forget that we will be having a paranormal umbrella the creepypasta readings every friday of this month and don't forget to join us next wednesday for yet another part of god of war ragnarok kratos the cryptid hunter we're going to be bringing you one every wednesday of this month. So thank you again for joining us and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and we hope to see you on Friday. Yes. Have a good one everyone. Bye. <laughs>